Hello, everybody. Welcome to the big program. Dave Studdard, Things My Granddaddy Said. Man, we got a big one for you today. I'm excited about today's show, but let's talk, as always, about our previous show, uh, Tim McGee episode. Man, that thing is trending huge. Y'all really, really enjoyed uh, Tim McGee and his musings about country music. Uh, that was a fun episode, um, and the numbers are bearing it out. There's been a lot of downloads on that episode, and man, we are we are excited about that one. So, as always, uh, if you have uh, you know suggestions for guests on the show, or if you want to be a guest on the show, or topics you want us to talk about, send us a uh, send us an email. You can get us at tmgs podcast at gmail.com. That's tmgs podcast at gmail.com. All right. You know, you never know who's going to come around and uh, hang out at the Granddaddy Studios. Before I get to our guest, we've got a rock star in the studio, everybody. She just happened to come by, and she's hanging out with us. She's off camera and off mic, but you know her, you love her, you can't live without her. Jean Stuttered. What's happening, Jean? You doing all right? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. You know, Jean's a rock star in Fayette County Republican politics and state of Georgia Republican politics. So she's, uh, she's hanging out with us today in the, in the Granddaddy Studios. So that's fun. All right. Let me get to our guest, everybody. Listen. It's election season, and we've got some big ones coming up. One of the big ones is the, uh, the uh, state senate race for the uh, 16th district. Now, the 16th district is uh, Fayette, Pike, uh, Lamar, and Spalding County. It's a four-county district. Uh, the incumbent uh, is currently – the seat is currently held by Marty Harbin, but Marty has a challenger, and we're thrilled to have her in the studio with us today. Uh, tr- uh, uh, Trish, Trisha Stearns is with us. Ms. Stearns, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank well, you for having me. Absolutely. Listen, first of all, thanks for coming by. We really appreciate you coming in and uh, talking with us this morning. Um, well, you know, let's let's start at the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. I've been here since 1995. I moved here when my girls were seven, five, and one. Um, we lived in uh, near Roxbury. I used to walk the kids to school. I started selling real estate. Um, I had about $114 in my bank account, and um, things were not easy. In the, and I sold 28 houses my first year and just dove into the community, and, um, I mean, this is home, you know. So um, then from, I was at, gosh, after those 28 houses, I just took off and sold houses left and right. Of course, we all were selling a lot of houses then. And then during the recession, the big recession that we all uh, – circled the wagons and suffered through that was a real growth point for myself and my family um i had two in college and one about to go and i thought and my insurance was 880 dollars a month for you know health care with a five thousand dollar deductible and i thought okay and i had five million in listings but nothing gets paid unless they're selling and nothing was selling so i went back to school at ksu i drove 56 miles one way about 10,882 miles later, um, I earned my master's in professional writing. The goal was to teach and get some insurance and wait for the listings and the market to get better and um, do some grant writing. So the comp- part of my degree was grant writing and, and such. So I adjunct at um, uh, Georgia Military College in Gordon, and um, through the research of all that, um, I started the farmer's market. I wrote the ordinance. Um, I s- went and talked to the shopping center, and then I talked to the Department of Ag, and then I drove all these roads in Spalding, Pike, and Lamar. 
and I got to know those folks because what I figured out is my idea was great. I got the ordinance. I got the, the green light to make it all happen. I had been to seminars from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco on how to run an effective market because I do the research. And then I had to find the farmers. And then that started a whole new research thing. So we, our first year was in um, 2010, and we were, which kind of indirectly helped bring Fresh Market to town because they finally saw the need for, you know, uh, good, wholesome, fresh food. Um, because by 11 o'clock we were out of food, and we had eight, 900 people there. Right. So and then from there we went to Partners Pizza Parking Lot, and then that's where the connection and the placemaking, and I'm kind of a placemaker. I connect people. And then from there, I got start start talking to kids who didn't understand that an ugly apple was still a good thing. You know, everything's supposed to be pretty and shiny and perfect. And that gave my idea um, because of some of the research I was doing on community gardens and teaching kids. So then I started um, the idea of a community garden. And with the help of Larry Dove of Two Doves Farms and some other farmers and key people. about Well, there's about five of us. Really, it was Larry and I. And a handful of people, but we couldn't find the land. And so I went back and forth and back and forth, kept knocking on those city doors, and then kind of coordinated a land swap between the county water, the county land that was on 114 Kelly Drive, and um, some other land, and made it all happen, and raised $50,000, built it. And so really I've been politicking for a while, but really doing it from the heart. Sure. And doing it with people. Um and, and it, it was a pivotal, a pivotal step. Now, where where now is the farmers market located? It's still at, at Partners Pizza. Okay, so is it a, a everyday thing or? It's well, and that's the other thing. You know, it started with uh, trepidations of people because they were used to make a lot of money going into the Atlanta markets, and so I had to convince them to give it a try and stick to local because you know love is local, everything's local. So they would do first and third Saturdays. And when they saw the people come, and back then gas was still $4 a gallon, and they could be home in their garden or with their families by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then we went to every week. Then we added Wednesdays. Then we added all year. So now it's like eight years, and it probably contributes, I would say, close to a million dollars in the local economy. And then the unintended consequences where people know each other's dogs and people are getting to know each other. And um, it's a place. It's, um, it's people's third place. Sure. And, and, that, and that creates community. And I would imagine that all of your fruits and vegetables and those things are locally sourced. I mean, they come. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And yes. And, and, and that's a whole other topic. But sure. absolutely. They're all local farmers. And then if they're not growing them, we know where they are coming sure. from. So like sure. during the summer, we've got a peach supplier mm-hmm. because not enough farmers grow enough peaches for the demand. You know, right. things like that. Right. So that's okay. a whole other topic. Well, that's very exactly. That's a whole whole other yeah. show. We but could I did do a whole show. But on I did that. want you to. I did want you to at least mention that. And, oh, you know, absolutely. For people that aren't familiar. Well, and it's like, and then <coughs> everything's local. I mean, sure. and you know, I would have musicians come and, and just want to play because they meet people, and then they're doing weddings from there. And there was this whole ancillary. Um, that you can't put a price tag on. Mm-hmm. And then people getting out from underneath their computer and looking each other in the eye, I think is priceless. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure that there, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the farmer's market there, but now they can put a face with it. So yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, look, here, here, here's the thing, Miss um, Stearns. You're running for um, the, the uh, Georgia State Senate 16th District. Marty Harbin currently holds the seat. Yes. 
as succinctly as you can, and this this was asked of me, you know, as you know, and, and many of my listeners know, I, I ran for that seat as well when it was an open seat, mm-hmm. and there were seven of us in that thing, and um, out of seven, Mr. Harbin and I got in a runoff, and he beat me in a runoff. But one of the questions that was posed to me by inside people, not necessarily, uh, you know, constituents, but by folks that were helping me run the campaign was this, and I think it's a great question for a candidate who's running, particularly, well, running against an incumbent. What you're essentially asking voters to do mm-hmm. is fire Marty Harbin and hire you. Absolutely. Why? Because they have to. It's not about me. They need to. Because we need the most effective senator down at the Capitol, not the least effective. And I did my research. Because all that, all that work at KSU, and my father's a professor, I don't take this lightly. Our area is a dynamic area. And we are not being represented. We are not at the seat of the table. And he may think it was a trophy to say no to everything and to, and to be kind of a uh, curmudgeon on so many issues, but he is hurting our area. It, it is imperative that people take note of this race because we are not getting a seat at the table. Absolutely not. Um, I want to serve the entire district. His approach is alienating us from important discussions. My approach is natural as a placemaker and getting a seat at the table and being an ambassador to the entire area. Because let's face it, it's a huge area with a lot of different types of people. You know, Fayette County is part of those 13 counties and the new ATL and that House Bill 930. We're considered part of the Metroplex. Then we have a whole nother rural community that is practically an open seat down there. They don't even know who he is. Now, some people do, but he needs to represent. We need a senator. We don't need him to represent because he's not representing all of us. We need me down there. Well, let me ask you this. That sort of segues into this question. You mentioned the regional commission, and, and, and these, you know, there are several of these different regional authorities and, and commissions. Um, the, the, the Atlanta Metro 13, you mm-hmm. mentioned. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you see, Ms. Stearns, uh, any way to maintain sort of the, the rural charm and flair of Fayette County while at the same time sort of embracing these new, these new structures relevant to, you know, there's a lot of people that would say to, to include Fayette County in a 13-county metro composition is ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, in my view, it's not quite so ridiculous anymore. I mean, we are becoming um, more and more, uh, you know, the demographics are changing in Fayette County. And I think there's going to be, you know, some discussion is going to have to be had about what our participation is going to be with the larger area. But I guess the question is, you know, do you see a way to maintain Fayette County's quality of life, uh, sort of that rural charm that people come here for, uh, and balance that with the sort of the emerging in, in demographic down here? Absolutely. And that's where the skill set of being a broker, because there's two sides to every story, you know. You, and you have to have discernment, and you have to have listening skills, and you have to have assessing, and you have to research, and you have to have a willingness to listen to everybody, even if you probably may differ with them. But here's the key. Here's what I find ironic is, is that um, he didn't vote for any of it, yet he's all about transportation. And let's, let's be clear. Transportation and transit are two different issues. So what you're referencing right now is transit and everyone's fear that MARTA is coming down here. It's an opt-in. This bill is actually a very good bill for the rest of 
Atlanta, and we need to have a seat at the table to at least know what's going on. So what's going to happen is the governor is in charge of the ATL. This is the the new umbrella that is going to host all these different things so that we're all on the same page, which is important, okay? Then from there, you get one district representative, and we are in District 10. That will be appointed by the governor, okay? That will be all of Coweta, most of Fayette, and then a sliver of Fulton, and then down to Henry. One person to represent that entire area. But we need to know what's going on. You know, we just can't say no. There will not be a MARTA stop. We have to opt in. The, the sky is not falling. We can maintain our quality life in, in what we all moved here for, which is what I really want to talk about, and still be part of that by having a seat at the table and at least know what's going on. We're not going to opt in for any MARTA stops down here. First of all, we can't afford it. It's a million dollars a mile. Let's be real. But creative problem solving, innovation is leadership. Steve Jobs says that every day. We're all on our Apple phones, okay? Innovation is leadership. Being willing to be a creative problem solver and say, well, let's look at that. Well, that's an idea. Maybe we should discuss it. Doesn't mean you're going to do it, but it means you're talking. You know, the more you're talking, the more you're connecting, the more you might come up with a solution that's a win-win for somebody because 40% of us are driving into Atlanta. Right. Well, I, and I don't want to belabor the, this topic because we need to move on to some other things, but I think there is a, a, a fear, and, and this was expressed to me when I was running, um, that you're going to see you know, you know, what we're in danger of, of happening is tax dollars from Fayette County flowing into Atlanta or in, in other places in, in this region and being spent on MARTA repairs or anything else, not just MARTA, but other services uh, out of county. In other words, we're being taxed. Our tax dollars are going to some other projects that we're not necessarily benefiting from. Now, I understand that you know 40% or whatever the statistic was that you, that you mentioned are commuting in and out of Atlanta every day. I was one of them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah, I don't do it anymore. So, I, I mean, I get that part of the argument. But I, I think that's the concern that, that a lot of people have. And, you, and you've probably encountered this already in your, you know, your campaigning. But I think people are afraid that a, a proportion or a portion of tax dollars uh, from Fayette County are going to go to this regional commission and not be used in, in, in the county. Well, and, and that's a valid concern. But if you're not invited to the table because you're so caustic and you're so hard to work with, then you won't know. Right. And when you want to know what the concern is and address it and appease it, massage it, figure out how to make it work, because there, there's art and compromise. Yeah. So in other words, you're saying we have to at least talk. Absolutely. We at least, we at least have Absolutely. to engage. I, yeah. We can't like put up this, you know, this chain link fence and say, oh, no, no, not in my backyard. Because whether we like it or not, the governor's appointing somebody yeah. and he's going to be at those meetings. And we need to know an accurate information not late-night fears on Facebook. Sure. So, so having one rubber stamp that just says no is not governing, in your no, opinion? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. Sure. And, and let's talk about transportation. So that's transit. Mm-hmm. And people confuse that because it's two Ts, starts with an R, and, and it moves people. So people confuse. But he has not voted anything related to transportation in the four years he's been here. And I recently saw him speak, and he basically was like all about transportation now. What's he been doing for four and a half years? Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia Transportation Alliance uh, has donated to my campaign. 
because they're not working. We're getting smidgens of those road dollars in our area because he's hard to work with. That should tell people something right there. Yeah, and, and we intend uh, to have, uh, hopefully, Mr. Harbin's going to come on and perhaps he can respond to some of this when, when he comes on uh, in the future. All right, um, let's move on to some legislative issues. And, and, you know, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm gonna, I want to hit sort of some of the hot-button issues that have been um, banging around down there last session and this session. The first one that comes to mind is, is first of all, where are you on the legalization of, of, of cannabis and marijuana for medical purposes? You know, it, I, when I first started this race, um, I was aware of it, but I wasn't to the level of understanding that I am now. And where I think I differ from, from Marty is that um, I do the research. I start talking to people, and I go, Wow, I didn't know that. Well, what about this? And I ask questions, and I talk to you, because there's all kinds of sides to this story. And, and what I would like to work on in this issue is that there's some things that do not make sense. For example, if you have a child that needs cannabinoid oil, has been prescribed by the doctor, and makes a huge difference from grandma seizures. And my sister was epileptic. I have first-hand knowledge. When I was 12 years old, I learned how to drive. I learned how to take a tongue out of the back of the neck. I learned how to move furniture so that she didn't hit things. You know, I understand what it's like to live with somebody that has that. It is heartbreaking. And if they are on a medical register that's legal, why is it illegal to get it? So there are people out there that have to be their own little drug kitchen and, and they have to make this concoction. Personally, I think they should be able to go to a pharmacy and get the oil, and I don't know what that looks like yet. But all I know is there's some common sense that's not happening, and I don't know why, but I'd like to get to the bottom of it. Sure. So, you, so here you are, and you may have another kid. You may be working, but you've been prescribed something, and all of a sudden you're a drug. You've got drugs in your your freezer. You're having to boil them down and make an oil and do all kinds of stuff. And it was a prescription. That should be easier to get them. Don't know how to make that happen yet, but I'm going to keep researching it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of frustration about even with the measures that, that the uh, that, that the legislature has taken over the last couple of years relevant to the possession, use, um, availability. I mean, there's there it, they as you suggested, it it you're you're you know it, it's it's made it's accessible but not legal, which is just bizarre. It is bizarre. And here's the other thing: I do not want to be Colorado. I do not think it has served Colorado well. I think we have enough things to distract people driving. We got the phone issue. We have alcohol. We have all kinds of things. You know, people, I saw a woman knitting, literally at Christmas time, knitting in traffic. People got to drive their car. We got to start doing this multitasking thing has gone too far. But I do not want uh, another Colorado. So I would not, I, but I think the cannabinoid oil issue and the medical registry and looking at this and putting it, a package together that makes sense is worthwhile and um, for medical purposes and things that are going on this is a huge community and a huge problem and they have asked for help and I know for a fact Marty did nothing he has constituents down here and he ignored them they're not going to be ignored I don't have the answers but I'm going to look into it and that's all I can say on that I understand and uh, well let me it's sort of in, in that vein uh, taking it another uh, a step further, 
you know, this has been, uh, for the last few legislative sessions anyway, uh, we, we've seen a governor, Governor Deal, who is, is very interested uh, in criminal justice reform. Mm. And one of the topics that comes up repeatedly in the conversation of criminal justice reform is the legalization of marijuana, not just for medical purposes, but for example, you know, several municipalities in the state of Georgia, city of Atlanta being one of them, have sought to decriminalize misdemeanor possession of marijuana, that is to say less than an ounce of marijuana, uh, or at the very minimum, make that offense what's what would be referred to as non-bondable. You just mm -hmm. get a ticket and come to court. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get arrested for that. So there's a trend, and I'm not suggesting, I think the Colorado model is based on much more than just a, a criminal justice reform concern. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's a huge tax revenue generator for them. But I mean, in the vein of criminal justice reform, is that something that you would be willing to look at to be, let me just distill it down so you understand the question, the legalization of less than an ounce of marijuana for personal use? Would that be something that you would be even willing to discuss? I would look at everything to help um, improve law enforcement so that they have more time to work on the opioid issue, uh, to work on crime in general, because we have to. If you have to look at the big pie, the big picture. So I would be at that table. You cannot be so closed-minded. No, 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 no. You can't do that because maybe then that compromise, if that freed up them to take care of opioids, then I would be all about it. Right. So, again, there's more to this story, and that's where the research, the assessing, and having lots of conversation and making a, a informed decision, and honestly, it's not my decision. It's District 16's. Right. What I intend on doing when there's tough questions like this, doing something just like this, having my own podcast, getting on Facebook Live, doing something, put an ad in the paper saying, this is what I'm faced with. What would you all like me to do because the most of us need to be represented not just one person's viewpoint in and that's what's happening right we the people need to be involved well yeah and that that's a subject that that i've i've watched intently you know and and not just from a, a decriminalization of marijuana perspective um but also it it, it has a it, you know it, it has a, a an effect on what I think is, uh, and from someone who is in a jail almost every day, yeah. um, and I've been in several jails, uh, there is a there is a serious serious overcrowding pro problem in in Georgia's jails. Uh, I, you know, I don't necessarily speak to prisons in the state system, but municipal jails, county jails, are overburdened, and mm -hmm. they are overburdened largely by nonviolent misdemeanor offenders. So this is not necessarily for your response, but you know it's it's a, it's an issue that's that's important to me because I've seen it up close, and and in my view, anything that can be done to to um, uh, to alleviate the stress and overburden that these that our sheriffs have with these jails and our municipal police departments have with their with their jails to the extent they have one, uh, I'm all for at least a discussion. So I'm encouraged to hear you say oh, that absolutely because within that, and once again, when that's why it's so careful when I say discussion, because you have to look at all the things. And then what does that actual language of that bill looks like? Right. You know, because those, there's, what they do is they do all these little tag-ons or nots or this or that's the others. So, the, so yes, if it, again, Oprah is a huge issue. Right. And that's far more dangerous 
right. than somebody with a little ounce. Sure. All right. Now, another big issue that, that every legislative session bubbles up in some form or another, and it's it's been much hotter in, in past legislative sessions than it was this one, guns. Mm. Guns. Mm. Um, first of all, let's start with a baseline proposition. Uh, are, are you... Um, are you uh, an advocate of uh, gun control? No. Okay. I am Second Amendment. Okay. All right. Sec- and here's what I will say about that. I am Second Amendment. I am. Um, I know how to skeet shoot. I have shot every gun that there is. I have a friend that has quite the array of them. And once again, because I want to understand. I want to know the whole issue. And a lot of misinformation is out there. Because of the fear and the pain that this that this issue is causing, we're talking our children's lives. I mean, can you imagine when you get put your child on the bus that you have to say an extra prayer, you know, that it's not nothing's going to happen at your school? I mean, my kids are grown; they're adults that are that hopefully will have babies. But um, how? I just can't imagine. So, so, but here's the deal: I am Second Amendment because here's what happens. The, the Constitution is the Bible of our country. You don't mess with it. Because if you mess with the language of any of it, then you could mess with the first and the third and the fifth. But gun safety, gun safety is different than gun control. We all need to have the right to have our guns and to, and to, and to uphold the Second Amendment. But even the bump stock people are not going to make them anymore. They have a human heart. So it is only right that we have a gun safety discussion and what that looks like. Maybe it's, you know, when you drive a car, you have a, you have a son, right? Yes. Okay. I have three daughters and we taught them all how to drive. Okay. But they just didn't, I didn't say, oh, you're 16 and hand them the keys of the car. Did I? No. They went through driver's ed. And then remember as part of driver's ed, you have to drive around and get so many hours. We did not phone that in. We drove. And that's how I also know the country roads down there because right. that's where we would drive right. and go eat barbecue. But um, so same thing. So what if at 18, because, you know, they talk about raising it at 21, 18, 18. What if at 18 you have to go through a gun safety course if you expect on and you maybe have to do a mental health evaluation? You know, then here's the real issue. Here's the real issue. Schools. Did you realize that the state ratio for student counselors is 800 to one student? There is no way that a counselor, and I, and I was at a safety meeting last month in Fayetteville where all the, everyone gets together to talk about school safety. And did you know that the, the, the counselor, over the counselors, Ms. Bonner said, we're basically triage. Now, if we had a hurricane that hit tonight or a big tornado and Red Cross came out here, would they give us one worker for 800 people? No. There'd be a whole school of people helping people out. Our kids need counselors, not just for the environment that we live in culturally, but they need, how can you assess what someone should do for a living with one meeting? How can you know their heart and know what's going on in their life? And maybe we need two sets of counselors, one, one for life and one for career counseling, but we need help. And they did fund the K through 12 budget. Really super excited about that. But I guarantee you there's money somewhere, somewhere in this big world, in this big state, there have got to be a way that we can support our kids in a better fashion, given the culture that we are now faced. Sure. And, you know, there, there are restrictions in place. I mean, an 18-year-old, you must be 18 to, to possess or purchase a long gun. You have to be 21 to possess I, purchase a handgun. I, I hear And that. there are many, 
I would dare say a majority of people in this state whose p- position is any restrictions beyond that are an assault on a fundamental right that's guaranteed through the Constitution. How would you respond to that? I agree. But there's things that, once again, if we just do a better job of law enforcement communicating with each other, helping that system, because they want to. It's not like they don't want to. Do you think they want to go, I didn't know that? No, they want to. So what sources do they need? Do they need more support? Do, do, you know, so law enforcement's talking more in the registry. Um, looking at a training course at 18, not 21, because if you can serve your country in war, you should be able to buy a gun, but just some training, okay? Um, mental health, you know, beefing up on that arm of it. And then the companies themselves are evaluating where and how they're going to sell their guns. That alone, and then a cognizant effort to be in touch with our youth and anyone that's marginalized or in trouble, then that alone should do it. So you would be at odds then with these municipalities and and cities that we're seeing. It's a growing trend now. You're seeing this jump up in different cities around the country where these these city governments are, are passing ordinances banning certain types of weapons. I'm assuming from your statement that you would you would be in, you would be in, in opposition to that kind of sort of blanket, um, not just a restriction but a confiscation of certain types of weapons. Absolutely, because here's the other thing: we all need to work together, you know. And and you understand why, and that's what you have to do. Everyone needs to take their shoes off and put the other people's on and have that discussion. But when you get to the source of it, it's all fear. It's all fear. Okay. You know, so so what I would do is is work grassroots and start talking and saying, okay, let, now what are we gonna, what are we really gonna accomplish? You know. Right. Um, but yeah. Well, let me do this, and in the last few minutes that we have, um, Ms. Stearns, I, I want you know one one one, of, uh, one effective way that I found as a candidate and and as also as someone who has spoke with candidates and tried to sort of flesh out where they're at on on. Um, local issues uh, is is to talk about some of these big overreaching or overarching federal issues just to kind of see where they're at mm. so without going into a whole lot of of detail here i'm going to sort of ask you some you know sort of rapid fire questions and you just sort of give me your initial response we need a wall on our southern border uh, i think we need to support trump and his immigration efforts okay um pro-life Absolutely. I've had babies, and once you feel life in you, I, you know, if not, yes, absolutely. Okay. Sanctuary cities? Uh, we do not need to be a sanctuary city, and I do feel like this will be a state issue at some point, and that's why, you know, I, I've made it a campaign because we've got to pay attention to that. And more importantly on that sanctuary city thing is we've got to work together, just like you're talking about, the local, the local and the state and the United States. We have to be the United States of America. And when people start doing that, you are, you are, you are literally uh, saying to the United States, the federal government, that whatever you do, we're still going to do our own thing. Got to be on the same page, people. Okay. Um. Well, it just went out of my head that quick. I had a crusher for you, and it just went right out of my Bring head. Bring it that, on. It Bring just, it, it on. It went out of my head that quick. Uh, oh, um, without getting too far – well, without getting – I don't want to get off in the weeds on this, but relevant to the immigration issue, um, you know, there's. it's reported that there are, I don't know, 11 million – there, there are 11 million nationwide. There are 375,000 in the state of Georgia. Would you uh, be in favor or support some effort 
uh, to bring those people uh, out of the dark. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we do need to do. Because if they're here and they've been here and they own a business and they have no criminal record and they do it, absolutely. We need to make them. First of all, can you imagine living in shame like that every day of your life in hiding? I absolutely. We need to say, okay, here you are. They have children here. Uh, they have the community. They serve in our churches. Absolutely. We need to find a way to encourage them to come forward. But would you agree that before we can begin that process, that that porous border has got to be gapped up? So because you can't continue. Well, my position would be we can't start that process when you know four or five hundred a day are coming in. I mean that's like well, trying to, to trying to drain the bathtub without putting the stopper in. That's a great metaphor. And once again, it's triage. You know, we just want to know who's here, and we want them here legally. We all came here. That's the United States of America. But we did it. We couldn't just go to Italy and say, I think I'll live here and I think I'll get on, you know, social programs or whatever. We just need to know who's here. That is fair to know who's here. And then to come through legally, everyone wants to obey the law, you know. And and that's uh, honestly, that's one of the things we, we have to respect our law officers. Yeah. And that was one of the other reasons why I got in this race. When I saw Marty Harbin, uh, total lack of respect. When he got pulled over because he forgot to pay his tags, I was like, that doesn't represent us. Who, who is this? You know, we need better representation. We need an ambassador to show off what a great area we are. You, well, you're not suggesting we, we adopt a reasonable immigration policy, are you? That can't be. A reasonable immigration policy is absolutely necessary, but after the bleeding and then after supporting what is trying to be done. Okay. I mean, I, I think I think we all need to start being reasonable. And, and finally, let me just ask you this, and, and you, know, you can answer this as succinctly as you can. Um, what do you think the proper role of government is? The proper role of government is to let people be the best selves um, in our communities, it's, it's less government, but with support. You know, there are laws that help communities. It's just kind of like um, uh, guardrails in your marriage. You know, what makes your marriage work? What makes your marriage work? I'm just a great guy. I'm just a, I'm just a, are you kidding? I'm a thrill a minute. I'm the, I'm, I'm, they call me the, they call me funsy. Well, actually. I can tell by the guitar on your wall. So. My marriage works because my wife is incredible. That's why my well, marriage works. She absolutely is. And, and you're a blessed man. But same thing. So it's a supportive thing. Yeah. So less government and the laws should be to help foster the American dream where you have adequate health care. The wheels on the bus have to go around, which is why we all moved here, because it's a safe place to live. We need to keep it a safe place. Sure. We have great schools. I've sold over 500 houses to people because they moved here for safety in schools. Okay, so we have to keep the schools safe. And guess what? How does all that get paid? Oh, we have to have jobs. We need the tax incentives for these companies so that we have jobs to offer and that we have jobs to go to, and, we, and then we can build the roads to get home. Building roads and making sure we all get home, I consider that a Christian issue. If you're too tired and you get home at 8 when you could have been home at 7 to help your kids with homework, that's a problem. So the wheel's on the bus of life, and the government helps it. I like that. That's a, that's a nice metaphor. 
All right. Well, I'm going to close with that. I will offer you, if you want to take another 30 seconds, just give us a closing statement or talk directly to, to, to my, my vast audience of about 14 people. Go ahead. No, nah, we've oh got gosh, more. Oh, gosh. We're getting more than 14 We've got people. more than that. You're yeah, a rock got. star, and your mom's a rock star. <laughs> well, and, she and, is um, indeed. Well, I want to hear you. Next time I come back, I want to hear you play play something on that guitar. I'd be happy to do it. it. off the wall. Um, I'm just thankful that everybody tuned in. And most importantly, I want you to go to my website. I want you to call me. If you have tough questions, I want to talk to you. How can people get a hold of you? Tell us your website. Website is votetriciasterns.com. My cell phone is 404-401-4636. I'm accessible. Okay. I won't call you maybe back in 15 minutes because I'm on the phone a lot now. Um, But I will talk to you and email me. Uh, Go to the website and figure out how you can help out. And I'd I'd love to get to know everybody further and the issues. And we've got a lot to do. Most importantly, voting starts April 30th. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. I could go on talking to you for another hour. Well, we'd love to have you back. All right. We'd love to. We'd love to have you back. Um, All right. Trisha Stearns, everybody. Find Hi out. Guys. Get informed. Uh, this is just a, a go process. To the website. To, go there to you, the website. There you go. There you go. All right, everybody. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of Things My Granddaddy Said. If you have questions about the show, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you have questions for Miss Stearns, we can certainly put some follow-up questions uh, on our website and talk with her about that, and I can get back to you all with the answers. But here's the thing. The little uh, promo that I did on the show uh, for this show a couple of days ago had over 400 views. And in that promo, I admonished you all to send me questions for Miss Stearns uh, via the email address, and I would pose them to her. 400 views, y'all. Not a single question. What are y'all watching reruns of Happy Days? I mean, what's going on out there? Let's they're, wait, get <laughs> they're waiting to get my email. That's exactly what it is. Let's get engaged. You know, learn about the candidates that are running for these offices. It's it's important. It's important. And and again, we'll have Mr. Harbin in here soon, and he can respond to some of this and, and talk to you about his positions on issues. So uh, this show will drop. You know, we drop every Tuesday. So uh, be looking for it. The video will be posted soon, um, in concert with the audio uh, YouTube channel. Things my granddaddy said. Um, look for that. That usually runs a little behind because that takes some editing and some some other things we have to do with that. Uh, and my, my director, editor, um, my music director, Jack Studdard, not here today, everybody. He's in school. Can you imagine? He's 15. So <clears throat> we kind of had to do all this. Uh, I had to do, had triple duty today. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, joining us, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you again real soon. Uh, look for this show to drop uh, next Tuesday. Thanks, everybody, very much. We'll see you soon. <laughs>